Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the Honest Youth Pastor YouTube channel, the channel that helps believers use biblical discernment in all aspects of life. I am Michael, the Honest Youth Pastor, and today we are going to be doing that whole discerning everything um, via one of my favorite ways, which is a sermon review. Each week, uh, we cover a variety of different sermons from a variety of different pastors. Some of them sent in by you, some of them that I just found interesting that I think is worth, they're worth covering. Um, typically, what we're looking at is the preparation of the sermon. Like, what does it look like? The three things we specifically look at each week is, do they read the scripture? Do they exegete the scripture using context and culture? And do they give uh, the gospel? And those are the three typical things we look at. Now, we have a PDF guide that you uh, you can download. Links in the description below. It's free, but basically it walks you through uh, the church name, who the pastor was, the main scripture they use. It gives you a section for notes as well as a section for other scripture. But here at the bottom, uh, it kind of helps you process through what you're hearing, right? So is this is the sermon expositional, textual, topical, allegorical? Did they reprove, rebuke, and exhort? As Second Timothy chapter four verse two says to do, and then the things uh, the three things we look at, I actually broke it down into four here because application is different than expounding the text. But the point is it's there. And those are the four things we look at. Now I'll be filling this out as we go through this particular, I don't know if you want to call it sermon. It kind of is. So this particular person that we're going to be looking at today, his name is Dr. Lovie Ellis. I had no clue who this person was, but apparently they are incredibly popular, at least on YouTube. Um, they do deliverance ministries. That's how I came across this individual. We made a reel the other day about him, um, a re like a reaction reel to one of his uh, deliverance, you know, casting out demons of people. And uh, I saw a bunch of comments that apparently a lot of people knew him. Apparently he's a pretty controver controversial figure. And so I thought this would be a really interesting kind of sermon review to do because it it is a sermon, but it's not. It's a teaching. All right. So it's a teaching. The point is, though, this person has like upwards of 400,000 individuals that watch them on YouTube. The videos, all that I can tell, get a whole bunch of views. And so while I have never heard of them before, and you maybe have never heard of him before, I think it's worth looking at because if you go through his channel, you're going to see that a lot, a lot of people apparently put some stock in what this uh, person says. So um, you can look him up. I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, doctor, where'd that come from? Is it accredited? All that, like you can look all that up. My concern is if somebody were to come across his video, are they going to get the scripture read? Are they going to get the scripture uh, worked through as far as context and culture? Are they going to be taught the Bible well? And is the gospel going to be proclaimed? That Those are the things that, again, I really focus on when we look at these sermon reviews, or in this case, a teaching review, right? Now, this is going to be, and I'll make note of this as we go through here, um, a good example of what it like this modern idea of being a pastor online, right? Having a church, but then broadcasting it out and having like a, an e-fam or a, a bunch of people that don't attend your church, but watch you every week. Uh, we'll be discussing that a little bit as well. So if you want to watch this whole thing without my commentary, the link will be in the description below to watch this whole thing. Now, this is going to be a thing called dream interpretations, right? So you'll see what I mean. Like at the end, he has people call in and he interprets their dreams. I know I've already lost some of you. I totally understand. But it, I don't think you understand that this original video has 400 plus thousand views on it. So there's a lot of people putting stock in this. So cards on the table. 
I think you kind of already know how I'm approaching this, but we need to look at it as best we can and say, okay, well, is this, is the scripture being read? Is it being interpreted correctly? Is there being application given? Is the gospel being presented? Um, because there's going to be people, uh, whether it be Lovi, Ellis, or any other pastor, uh, so-called that you hear people talk about, you can't just tell them, oh, well, this is wrong. You're going to have to walk them through the why, right? Because that, if people don't understand the why or know how to process, you know, listening to people, um, they're going to just say, well, you're a hater. And that's, that's why you don't want like, or want me to listen to this person. So let's jump over to the review screen and get right into it. Now, just so you know, this is basically of all of the teachings, because he's, He's not the traditional type of pastor that's going to stand at a podium, right? So what's very interesting about him and what little I've looked into him, um, he comes from uh, more of uh, a, a different, a different type of, of, of teaching style. Now, the interesting part is in the early church, the pastor did sit down while the congregation stood. And that was their traditional way of teaching. And it seems like, at least in that regard, that's how he does, you know, that's how he does what he does. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot here. And I'm going to take some notes on it as well as we go. Now, the whole video is, a, is an hour and 17 minutes. It's a lot. He talks really, really slow, um, just so you know. So what I am going to do, in fact, I hadn't done this yet, but let me go ahead and do this sort of as a pre. Let's move the playback speed to 1.5 and see if that sort of helps us out a little bit as far as, um, as far as the speed goes. Cause I think that he, he, he's super slow when he talks. So let's go ahead. Uh, let's jump into it, see what we get and, um, just prepare yourself. God bless you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful by the mercies of God, uh, for being here. And I am excited about the dream interpretation today. It's going to be a lot of fun. I love, um, I want to teach you first of all a little bit and then we are going to go into it where those who are here or those who are at home they can call in and you know we can hear what god is saying but i'll tell you why i love dream interpretation it's an opportunity for you to know that god has been talking to you you see the the biggest lie ever told in church and in christian circles is that god only speaks to you if you're in him no you see life is a chain reaction right because each life is connected to the next life so God can warn somebody that is not in Christ to do something in order to preserve those who are in him. So if, if, if the Pharaoh in Egypt did not heed the warning of God when he saw the dream with seven fat cows and they were eaten by skinny cows and it did not bother him, he would have not pursued the meaning. And if he did not find the meaning, Israel would have perished. But this guy wasn't a man of God. He never prayed to God a single day. But God still communicated to him. You see, the Bible says this, that God is so good that he causes rain to fall on the wicked and the just. Okay, so this is his first premise, is that dreams are a mode of interpretation. He's going to say this over and over again. Um, and then he obviously gives the example that you don't have to be in Christ for God to communicate to you via dreams, right? So this is going to be the whole, just so you know, it's the whole premise. Obviously, this is a, 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 a service about dream interpretation. So, of course, he's going to set set us up at the very beginning with obviously he believes that dreams are a form of God communicating with people to be clear, to be clear. That is a thing that we see in the old Testament a lot. And then we do see some in the new Testament as well. It is a heavily accepted fact amongst all religions in the world that God communicates through dreams. That 
it doesn't stop with Judaism because obviously we have a lot of people within the Old Testament that receive some sort of um, uh, communication uh, through the dreams, whether it has to be a dream that's interpreted or just a direct sort of do this in a dream. We see this also in the New Testament, but in the New Testament, it does change. Primarily, it's more of uh, instruction just to go do something. It doesn't take interpretation. Um, it's just go do it. Here's clear communication from God. So we do see a change between the Old and New Testament in regards to how God chooses to use dreams to communicate with people. The question then, and that's the question that you have to answer here, you know, depending if you're a sensationalist or continuous, continuationalist, is does God still do that now, right? Um, now, again, to be frank, in early church uh, writings. We do have writings of people being saying that they have received some sort of instruction from God via a dream. So we have to be honest here in in, in assessing what this uh, what Lovi's saying. Does God communicate through dreams? Now again, that completely is determined on if you're a continuationalist or a sensationalist, um, and that's going to kind of you know boil it down. Some somebody watching this video now that does not believe God still uses dreams to communicate is going to go, this guy's crazy off the bat. Somebody that says that God still does use dreams to communicate is now going to have to filter this individual through, okay, well, how does he say God then does that? And, you know, how do you work through that process? So just so we're clear, I mean, we even have an example he doesn't use, but a good example is Pilate's wife um, has a dream, you know, telling Pilate not to crucify Jesus. Um, so was that a dream from God or was that just a dream she's having, right? So that's the thing that you have to, it, it gets complicated. Um, and what Lovi is going to attempt to do here is train people how to view these so that they're able to interpret their own dreams. That's his whole premise. I know it's a lot. That's a lot to front load you with, but just to kind of give you a context. It means there are benefits that God has made available to the whole human race. And then there are exclusive benefits for those who are in Christ. But every human being that goes to sleep, God has spoken to them. I'm going to say that one more time. If you have ever shut your eyes to go to sleep, the Lord has spoken to you. Now your inability to remember dreams is you being too fleshly. It doesn't mean God didn't speak. Because every night God will talk to you. There is a revelation you will receive. But your inability to remember or to know, you just say, oh, I didn't dream, that's a lie. You are just so much flesh that you cannot recollect what happened when you are unconscious. Now, this is the other side that you're going to see. I, again, I'm just trying to prep you. I've watched this all the way up to, I think, minute mark, like 55, like right before he starts taking calls, basically, is what I've watched up to. You're going to see this throughout. And this is the thing that really, as we're learning how to, you know, discern sermons or teachings or, you know, things from people saying, okay, how, what is their sort of their cadence? What is sort of their, their approach toward this? And what Lovie does through this whole thing is he'll bring in a scripture or he'll bring in an example from scripture, and then he'll bring in some just random thought that he's had, right? We don't have any text that backs up that if you have slept, then God has spoken with you, that every dream is a communication from God. That is something that he's going to, that he's, he just stated that he's going to continue to state. And then he continues to sort of put burdens on top of people by saying that if you don't remember those dreams, you're just far too fleshly, which now means like if you're going to believe him, 
that you do receive communication from God every night via dreams. But if you don't remember that, you're too fleshly. You're not holy enough. You, you need to really push into God. That then leaves like this, this pressure on people that he's talking to or that believe him to be like, well, if I have a dream, I have to write it down. And then I have to interpret that dream. Even though later, and here's, I'm just, I know I'm kind of running it from you, for you, but way later in near the end before he starts taking calls, he's going to say, well, every dream, even though there's, you have a bunch of different dreams, it's basically the same thing God's kind of trying to communicate you to you through all of these dreams. Uh, and another party says that, you know, not every dream is necessarily communication. So he, he's going to contradict himself through this entire teaching, which is, again, something you need to look for when you're listening to people teach. Are they contradicting themselves? Are they saying, like, this is an absolute thing and then contradicting that later? So what he starts off with right here is if you have slept and you have God has communicated to you via dream guaranteed. But if you can't remember that dream, you're too fleshly. That's the point he just made with no scriptural backing. So hear me by the Spirit of God. Hear me by the Spirit of God. I'm going to teach you one way that you can provoke to dream. Uh, the people online are not ready. If you're ready, type number one. Type number one. And I want you to share this and let somebody know. I was about to go ahead of me and, and say a lot of things and, and uh, forget that we have people online. Uh, if you can hear me, type number one and share this a gazillion times. Share this as many times as you can. Share this as many, 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 many times as you can because um, this is going to be profound. Let somebody know that the prophet is live and we're going to do dream interpretation, but I want to teach you about dreams uh, a little bit. Now, I myself, I'm guilty on this. I'm going to say something and I will say I'm guilty of it. I am not entirely guilty, <laughs> but I'm partly guilty because it's a figure of speech versus the reality of things. A figure of speech versus the reality of things. Now, people in deliverance won't like this, but it's the truth. There's no dreams for the, from the devil. There's never been a dream that is from Satan. Not a single one. When we say that you're being attacked in your dreams, it's a figure of speech. But that's not the entire truth. I use that too sometimes to talk to somebody so that they understand what I'm saying. But that is not... Again, no scriptural backing from this, again, about dreams. No dreams from the devil the entirety of the truth i mean you can make assumptions i suppose right i mean sorry to keep interrupting here you can make assumptions by saying that we don't have any examples of dreams from satan in the bible which would be true i know of no dreams that are given by satan um so you're making that right but the point is that as pastors whenever we're making points or as congregants listening to teachings from pastors, what we're looking for is where is this backed up, right? Where is this anchored in? Where is this authority come from, for the statement come from, right? So if it's not, if it's not anchored in coming from the scripture, like where, why should I have faith just because you said it right now in this regard, and this is another important thing I should probably mention here. The reason people are listening to him is because he has the title of prophet, right? He's, I don't know if this is self-appointed or whatever. He's got Dr. Prophet is basically his title, right? Dr. Prophet Pastor. Um, and so these titles for him carry some weight. So now you can't question the prophet, right? Um, so that, the fact that he has the title prophet then gives what he says authority, which I think is just asinine, but whatever, let's keep going. 
Because dreams is a revelation. Whenever you go to sleep and you dream, God is giving you a revelation of what is happening in the spirit that you're not aware of. You don't enter the spiritual realm when you're sleeping. You get a revelation of the spiritual world when you sleep. Because right now we are in the body. Our spirit is in the spiritual world. If somebody is under demonic bondage, they don't walk around and you see demons. You just see a person struggling. But if somebody has the eyes of the spirit, they will look and they will see something that is trapping this person that people with regular eyes cannot see. But that person only sees this thing when they dream at night. They see the attack, so they say, the devil comes to me at night. No, the devil already got you. But God is showing you in dreams so that you know how to pray so that you come out of it. I remember one time, I mean, this has happened a billion times. There was a certain woman that came, and I told a woman, Prophet E.G., actually, my young brother was, uh, was ministering to this woman. And I said, um, my brother, let me just say this one thing. Woman of God. There is a snake wrapped around you right now. I am seeing it with my eyes. The woman started shaking. She said, yes, I see it in my dream. I said, no, the dream is God telling you what is already wrapping you. This snake has been eating all your children. Every time you get pregnant, the serpent has been devouring your kids. Right now, if you even have one child, it's a miracle. The woman shouted, it is true. I don't have any children. My husband wants to leave me. I said, today we'll kill the snake. But notice, God showed her a dream. God revealed what was killing things in the background. But she did not understand. She feared to sleep and to dream. Not understanding the sleeping and the dreaming was the place where the revelation was of what is happening. Can somebody hear me? Are you sure you're here? Share this. Let somebody know that will let somebody know. Before we interpret dreams, I want to tell you this so that you understand. Okay, so a few things here. One, he's constantly doing the, uh, does anybody hear me? I think I'm talking to the wrong people. Uh, you're not probably listening. Hey, give me the you know, thumbs up in the chat. We'll get to that in a minute. But like this, this again, it's the, it's the common charismatic sort of like, are you listening? Do you give me an amen? Um, the interesting thing here that, and again, I think that we need to look at, because there's a lot of this that happens through this teaching. The question we need to ask is, is the things he says... Can we back them up with what we see in Scripture, in the life and ministry of Jesus, in the life and ministry of the apostles? Um, we don't have Jesus or the apostles saying, hey, I see things with my spiritual eyes that you can't see physically, right? The snake example, right? We don't have that. Um, and so then you have to be like, well, what is going on here? I mean, he said dreams are revelations of the spiritual world. You're here in your physical body now. Your spirit is in the spiritual realm. And so now there's this, this separation. And I don't want to go really far down this road because I think it would take a lot of time to explain and really work through. But there is a bit here, it seems to me, of Gnosticism, this sort of separation of spirit and flesh, this, um, this division of the two. We, again don't see anything similar to what he's talking about within scripture. And that's where I'm always going to go back to. Is there something that you're saying that you're doing that I cannot back up with what I see happening in scripture? Um, and so that when I'm listening is what I'm a little concerned of, right? Can you back it up with what we see in scripture? And that example, I don't have any examples like that within, within, um, within the New Testament especially. So that you can treasure dreams. You remember this. When Saul 
was rejected by the Lord. The Bible says extremely interesting things. It said, Saul sought the prophets, God did not speak. He tried Urim and Turim, it did not work. He tried to dream and God would still not speak. How did he know how to try to dream to hear God? You see, when Joseph was in Egypt and he was brought before the king, he said, do not all interpretation come from the Lord. Tell me your dream. So if God is the one who is interpreting all dreams, it means he's the giver of all dreams. Yes. Is somebody hearing me? Yes. If God is giving you interpretation for every dream, he's the one who is speaking. So a couple things here that I want to point out really quick. He's going to make reference to this a lot. Now, again, not to say that he's not going to have people read scripture. He is going to have people read scripture. We'll get to that. But he'll make references like this a lot as far as Saul tries to dream and cannot receive. And we're talking about when Saul has take, put out all the necromancers and the, and the seers of foreign religions out. And then he wants to seek the Lord after Samuel dies. And he has no way to do that. And then he tries again to dream. And he gives a couple examples of how he tries to do that. Again... I think that's where it's important to understand that dreams are a way that God speaks in the Old Testament. This is why Saul, when he's put out are the necromancers and seers, um, tries to dream. This is also why when he doesn't receive an answer from God, he goes to a, uh, a witch to get that. We have the same sort of example that he gives here. He says, hey, yeah, Joseph says this about dreams when he's interpreting the one from the Pharaoh in Egypt. And so he's giving all these examples of dreams being used in the Old Testament in, in, in order not to say, hey, God has spoke, has used dreams as one way to speak to people. Also, they were done this way in the Old Testament, and we see them distinctively different in the New Testament, right? I mean, if you look up in any of your commentaries or any of your, um, I mean, I use logos constantly. In fact, you can get logos at a discount below affiliate link. <laughs> but the point is, that if you have, if you read books uh, on on theologians and scholars that have kind of parsed out specifically on the topic of dreams, what you're going to read is that dreams were used by God in a certain way in the Old Testament. Dreams are used by God in a certain way in the New Testament, and they're different. And that's important when you're teaching on well, how does God communicate? What does that look like? But He's not doing that. He's pulling out examples, and this is done all the time by speakers and pastors, pulling out examples that then benefit his point, right? So he's front-loading us with certain, with certain examples so that when he starts saying that I can interpret dreams, he has certain scriptures to go back on, even though those are out of context, right? Or those aren't explained fully even, right? So now he's saying, hey, look, you know, Saul tried to dream dreams, so God clearly communicates through dreams. Joseph said that only the Lord can give interpretation, so if the Lord is the only one that can give interpretation, then the Lord, therefore, is the only one that gives dreams, right? And so we're reading a lot into this, or not explaining a lot of it, but that doesn't matter because that's not his point. His point is to front load us with information so that when he later interprets dreams, there's no questioning if he should be or can do that. Because we've already been given scripture to prove that he can. Now, in a little bit, you'll be able to call in and, and then we are going to interpret dreams and stuff. Don't worry about it. But I need you to hear this lesson so that you understand. Because if I interpret dreams and then you leave and you didn't learn how to do anything, then I have not helped you. 
My duty here is not just to, to reveal to you. I'm going to show you the gift. It's going to work before you. And I will show you also how to enter into the same place through the Lord Jesus and be able to do the same thing. But you need to know these principles because that's what makes you better at interpreting dreams. Just because you pray doesn't mean you get interpretation. Interpretation is a skill. The Bible says, and Daniel was skilled, was skilled. Listen to that word. word. He was skilled. Listen to this word. He was skilled in wisdom and interpretation of dreams, meaning to interpret dreams is a skill. So what I'm teaching you is a skill in itself. And if you have the skill, then the gift operates naturally because you all dream. Amen. You all already dream. So if I sleep and I dream, or if you sleep and you dream, somebody is chasing you, then you know spiritually there is an attack. If this and this is happening, you already know this is something God showing me in the spirit. You thank God and then you start binding. You start rebuking. If you also see something good, you thank God and you ask God to show you how to position yourself. Dreams is God communicating to you. It is a message from God. Just because a dream is scary doesn't mean it's of the devil. When the Pharaoh saw a cow eating another cow, that's a very drastic image. But it was not the devil, it was God himself showing this. I believe, I believe this with all my heart. The scarier the dream, God is trying to get more of your attention. It means you need to pay extra, extra. He's trying to wake you up. Because when you fall asleep, your soul gets an opportunity to see a glimpse of what is happening in the spirit. That is why it comes to you as dreams. So there is one principle I'm going to teach you that is positive. And there is another principle I'm going to show you that is negative. Can you do me a favor? Can you close that door over there? I can feel the breeze just coming. I'm African. If there's even, a <laughs> if there's even wind blowing, I can feel it. Mm. Ah, God is good. LA is now Seattle, so we're, we're trying to manage. <laughs> so there's one, <laughs> there's one positive and one negative. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we hear you. There is one positive and one... Here's the thing, and we, we'll talk about it. We've talked about this with other um, speakers as well, is this idea of, I feel like I'm preaching to myself, or can you hear me? Or some sort of give me a response to what I've said, right? Now, this could be incredibly innocent in regards to like, I just want to make sure you're listening, right? I just want to make sure you're listening. Or it could be a, I want to make sure that there's no other distractions. So what I say is all that you hear, right? So I would imagine, and I don't know, but I would imagine if these people did not do what he said, or did not respond. There's a couple parts in here where he gets a little aggravated because things aren't going the way he wants them to go. We'll, we'll get to this point. I'll put, point them out. But the point is, this doesn't seem like, a, hey, I just want to make sure you're hearing me. It's a very much like you need to respond. I'm the prophet. You need to respond. One negative. But before I continue, we can't be over 5,000 people, almost 6,000. And we only have uh, 2,300 thumbs up. Let's get the like buttons up. Then I'll continue. Let's click that button. Let's click that button. Let's, let's get the thumbs up higher so that other people will watch this also and receive deliverance. Amen. This video should have so many thumbs up by now. And keep sharing it. Let somebody know that will let somebody know that will let somebody know that will let somebody know that we are alive. 
So here's this is what I was talking about at the beginning. This issue with like online online ministries, online whatever. It's especially in this sort of sphere. He's going to he said it here, you're going to see it later. He actually will not go forward later until they get to like 5,000 likes or something. Like he just holds us hostage. You know, he's like I'm not going to go on with my teaching until we have 5,000 likes. It's I'm just going to have to wait. If you want the rest of the teaching, you're going to have to hit 5,000 likes. And he does this a lot. He's like, if there's X amount of people in here, there should be more likes. I don't know why. Like, it, it's just, it's insanity, right? I mean, when in the world, like, it, it's as it's as if, it's comparable, right? If Peter's like, on the day of Pentecost, he's like, look, I've got this far, and I want to tell you more about how the Old Testament actually tells about Jesus. But until we have, like, 20 more people standing here, I'm just not going to say anything. Like, I'm just not. I'd love to tell you about, you know, Joel's prophecy and how it connects to Jesus, but I'm just not going to. Not until there's more than 20 people here. I need more people here. Like, come on, right? It's just, <laughs> it's silly, man. Like, just let it speak for itself, right? But it's this, it's this, for whatever reason, I've watched a few of his or listened to a few of his things. It's this whole, I'm the prophet. I'm saying something. People have to and need to hear this. And uh, so you're going to have to hit that like button. You better share it. Like if you want other people to be delivered, you need to share this video. If you don't, they won't be. And you need to hit that like button like right now. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's okay, mama. <laughs> All right. Ecclesiastics chapter 5 and verse 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and 3. Uh-huh. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business. Uh-huh. And a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Okay, one thing, I'm sorry, that anytime somebody does go to a verse ever and we've talked about this before when the pastor says here we're going to read this i want like we should go there or we should at least write it down so we could go there now he's going to be in ecclesiastes chapter five uh he's going to have them start reading at verse three but again as always you don't want to just read one verse that's inc that in and of itself is a red flag right so this is at best a topical sermon in which we're going to go through and pick out verses that have the word dream in them but let's go to ecclesiastes chapter 5 start at verse 1 instead and then read through it says guard your steps when you go to the house of god to draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifices of fools for they do not know that they are what they are they do not know that they are doing evil do not uh, I'm sorry, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you on, are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you, and that, that's basically, the, that's how the breakdown goes. So it's verses one through three, the idea of guarding your heart and your step when you go to the house of the Lord, for it's better to draw near to him than to offer sacrifices. Um, it's, it's better to be few with your words instead of quick and rash with them. Why? Well, because God is in heaven and you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for dreams come with much business and a fool's voice with many words. And so we've got this contrast between coming before and drawing humbly, to be close, being few with your words, and there's this, this, this line of thought here within this verse. So let's let him sort of work through this. One more time. 
For a dream coming through the multitude of business, uh -huh. and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. One more time. For a dream coming through the multitude of business, uh -huh. and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Now listen to what he's saying. A dream cometh through a multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Now the word business is ian, meaning occupation or tasks. Where there is a task, God will give dreams, because dreams are instructions. But where there are many words, there is a fool. So God does not give you dreams unless you have something that you need to take care of for the king. The moment you start getting consumed with doing God's work, then God is obligated to give you dreams in order to give you instructions. Okay, so did you hear that? God is obligated to give you dreams when you become busy with his work. That's, that's what he said. But if you look at the verse... For dreams come with much uh, obligation, task, business, right? So dreams come, and when they come, they're, they're attached to doing a lot of things, right? So if we're going to really drill into that, right, that's, that's the idea. It's not God being obligated to give you dreams when you start becoming serious. It's saying that dreams come when there's a task to do. So it's God giving you dreams for a task, not you getting busy and then God being obligated. And I know that's 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 a that's that's a distinct difference in what's being said, if given the text. Now there's a whole lot more you could go into with Ecclesiastes chapter five. We obviously don't have time. We're only 15 minutes into this video and 30 minutes into this sermon review, guys. It's a long one. I'm sorry. There's a lot here. The point is, though, that what he's saying is that God is obligated to give you dreams when you become serious. But the verse it says, itself says, for dreams come with much or many tasks. So the, the dreams are coming with these tasks. When you have a dream, there's things attached to it, right? So if we're going to drill into what he's talking about as far as dreams and what their purpose is, if you have dreams that God has given you, they come with things attached to them to do, not I'm doing things and then God is obligated to give me dreams for instruction. That's not how the verse is laid out. Are these amens? I don't like them. Amen. Can you read it in NIV? It's going to help somebody to understand. It's going to help somebody to understand. Uh-huh. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 3. Uh-huh. A dream comes when there are many cares. And many words mark the speech of a fool. Dreams come where there are many what? Cares. Things to take care of. Amen. So if you're in the church and you're not receiving dreams from God, That's you don't have any cares that have to do with God. Yeah. And see, so now the, there's, again, this burden laid upon you, right? If you're not receiving dreams, you're not about the kingdom work. Right, it's just task laid upon as somebody, which is not again, not the purpose of the verse in Ecclesiastes. Say it again, sir. Uh, somebody may have not liked that. That's good. <laughs> if you're not consumed with the works of God, God has no business sending you instruction for what? What are you going to do with it? This is why you find people who always like to demonize men or women of God, especially me. They love me right now, but they're just spreading the gospel more. Here's what they don't understand. You hear somebody say, oh, I just watched him and something didn't sit right with me. Something, that something may be a demon. Yeah, when demons see men of God, they don't like them. That's right. There's an emotion that is invoked in somebody that they just hate a person and they don't know why they hate them. 
It may be a demon. And then they'll say, oh, I had a dream that God showed me this. It doesn't work like that. God does not show... Do you, do you, do you, have you ever seen in the Bible God giving revelation of witches in dreams? Nah. No. You don't need to dream a witch for you to know somebody's a witch. That is deception in itself. If you have the Spirit of God... What he's talking about here, by the way, and this is this is admittedly incredibly confusing to me. This is that sort of outside of I don't I don't know the cultural context of which he is coming out of. I did see this in some of the comments on the reel that people are saying he's a witch or something. I don't I don't understand what in the world that's coming from, but he seems to be combating that right. So he realizes at the very least there is some pushback against him and to sort of insulate himself from any pushback or negativity. He's saying, if you feel negativity toward me, it's probably because you have a demon. Um, and then apparently from what I can read from this situation, connecting it with the comments on the reel is that there are some people saying that they've had revelatory dreams that he is a witch and therefore shouldn't be listened to. And then he's sort of combating that with, God's not going to give you a dream about somebody being a witch because you don't see that in the Bible. Um, which again, as I've already said, like we do need to compare what people say and do with scripture. So that is a solid sort of, you know, litmus test. But he seems to be pushing back on if you think I'm not, if you think anything negative about me, <laughs> then you probably have a demon because demons don't like men and women of God. And so that's a weird take. Um, but it is a really good way to insulate yourself against negativity. So if you don't like me, I guess you have a demon too. So that's I, that should just be everyone's go-to. If you don't like me, you clearly have a demon. You can measure a man by the words they speak. How many people have benefited from what is in them through Christ? You will know if somebody belongs to God or not. If Jesus is saying devils don't deliver devils or they don't cast out devils, that should already tell you if your feelings that this guy is fake, you have a demon in you. Because according to the standard of Jesus, demons don't cast out demons. They will say, but the word, if you really believe in the word, that will be your standard. So where there is a multitude of words, it marks a fool. If you ever see people who are talking too much, me personally, I don't. Every man of God that is close to me, somebody that doesn't talk much. If you look at the prophet who is here with me, he's a man of a few words. If you see, this is another way to insulate yourself. So it could be, I mean, the critique could come to me. Hey, you're talking a lot. Therefore, yeah, you're, yeah, that's a problem, right? That's a way to insulate yourself. If you don't talk a lot, you're obviously a man or woman of God. But if you have a lot of words, you know, because Ecclesiastes here says, um, Ecclesiastes, what does it say? Uh, for a fool's voice, uh, a fool's voice has many words, right? So you're a fool if you're talking a lot, which is a really awesome, again, way to insulate yourself <laughs> from any criticism. Because, like, I don't say a lot. So you're the fool for talking a bunch. You look at his brother, a man of a few words. If you look at uh, uh, Prophet Ija, a man of a few words. If you look at Prophet Glovis, a man of a few words. People who walk with God, they are very careful with their tongue. It's a sign of great maturity. Because where there is a multitude of words, it reveals a fool. Because where there are cares, people will not be busy talking about people. Ah, uh, you missed it. If I am consumed by God, I have no time to see who is fake, who is real. Yeah. I am busy making sure what God has given me comes to pass. God, you gave me a task to win souls. Show me the way. Show me how to do this. Show me how to do that. Show me how to do this. Show me how to do that. 
I'll be so consumed for God to instruct me versus seeing who is not doing their job. That is their problem. I didn't hire them. I didn't call them. I didn't choose them. It's none of my business. Now watch this. This is about to get beautiful. <laughs> verse 7. Can you read verse 7 for me? You. Yes. Verse 7. King James and then we'll go NIV. Okay. Uh -huh. Exactly 5 verse 7. Mm -hmm. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities, but fear thy God. Notice this. So read it again. Yes. Verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words. Notice. People who speak too much, they also have a lot of dreams. But there is vanity. God. All right, so again, we need to read the whole thing. I know this is taking a while, guys, but this is important to actually understand the whole content. You cannot just go through sections of Scripture and pull out certain verses that have certain words and then use that one verse as some sort of interpretation of what's going on. Right, so he stopped us at verse 3, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words, but then it keeps going. When you vow a vow to God, do not decry paying it for he has no pleasure in fools pay what is uh, pay what you vow it is better that you should not vow um, than that you should vow and not pay let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake see again this is talking about using your words wisely not not saying a bunch of things and then not actually doing them right this is coming humbly before god at the temple drawing near to him, not just coming with sacrifices and words, but actually being careful about how you speak and how, and what you do and what you, and how you vow those, how you use those words and vows. Um, so verse eight, why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Again, this is all going back. This has so little to do with dreams as he's pulling it out. So if we go all the way up to the fear of God, right? It says, read through verses one all the way through verse seven. That's the, the thought. But when you go through and you're only picking out words, dream in this case, and doing that, you're missing the meat of what is actually being said here in regards to fearing God using your words wisely, coming before him in a certain way and actually vowing what you're going to do and not just using a lot of words and being a fool in doing so. There, there's a lot here. Again, there's a lot more we could dig into that. That's obviously not the breadth of verses one through seven. But this idea of just pulling out words, a red flag to always look for is Am I just using one verse here, one verse there, and am I only pulling out certain words in those verses? It's, it's a huge waving red flag of problem. God never spoke. But God is commanding, fear him. Don't let your mouth go ahead of you. Oh, I just dreamed that person is like this. You notice people who do that, they are talkative. <laughs> if there's too much, they will also have a lot of dreams. They will say, God showed me, God showed me in a dream, God showed me in a dream, God showed me. All the time. You know what I'm saying, prophet? All the time. God said, God showed me. Holy Spirit said, God said. They talk to, hey, Holy Spirit is saying a lot of things, but why don't you have instructions for your life? Why is the Holy Spirit only telling you about who is fake? Why is he not caring about your life? Being positioned for his glory. I wish somebody could hear me. 
Why isn't the Holy Spirit consumed about your journey and what he created you for? Why is he consumed about telling you that one is false, that one is this, that one is this, that one is this, that one turns into... It's like people have become transformers to you. <laughs> the danger, if you want God to speak to you, especially in dreams, be somebody that doesn't talk too much. Amen. Amen. Be somebody instead who is consumed, consumed by God's desires. That is why the Bible says it like this. The Lord Jesus always said, the son does nothing unless what he has seen the father do. But when you look in scripture, you never see Jesus having a vision. Do you realize that? Everything you read about Jesus, you never saw Jesus seeing a vision. Now, I want to make sure before we get into this, and I'm going to let him talk for a while here. What he said before that sounded good. It was good. Speak less, desire to live like God more. That, that, that statement was good. Now, what we have to do is pair that statement, which is a good statement, with what he's about to say about Jesus and dreams. There is one thing you saw Jesus doing, sleeping. You don't hear the Lord Jesus having an open vision. When his disciples went with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw him changed. It was not a vision, it was life. When the heavens opened and they heard, this is my beloved son, it is only John that heard it, not Jesus. Because you have to understand context. If Jesus is hearing it, then his father will say, you are my beloved son. But you are hearing it from John's perspective. This is my beloved son. God is pointing him to his son. Jesus knew he's the son. He wasn't confused about that. But John was the one who had questions. Is it you? Is it really you? Not you? Not... So he was the one in the realm of visions. I don't know if you can hear me. The Lord Jesus, you see accounts of him sleeping. But then he will tell you the son only does what the father, he has seen the father do. If you don't begin by seeing in the dream, you will never see when you're awake. Because the primary function of your spiritual eyes begin when you're sleeping. So there's two things here I think is important. You hear the people reacting. The reason, I think half the reason they're reacting is because if they don't, he then gets onto them and says, hey, do you even hear me? Like, is anybody even listening? So now there's this compulsion this felt compulsion to react to every little thing he says because it's all important. Secondly, he's saying that you see more asleep than you do awake. So he connects a true statement that Jesus often goes off to sleep or to pray and then says and makes some very weird jump here that sleeping is Jesus seeing things in his dreams of what the Father is doing. That it's a real weird jump, but that's the connection he makes. Is the reason we see or hear about Jesus sleeping a lot is because when he sleeps, he has dreams, and when he has dreams, as he's already said, that's where you you enter this. What did he say? Uh, the exact phrase: uh, sleeping is an opportunity for your spirit to really see in the spirit world. So right, so he's making this connection that when Jesus sleeps, what Jesus' spirit is doing is seeing the spirit world, and in the spirit world, Jesus sees what the Father is doing, and therefore Jesus can then say that I only do what I. I only do what I see the Father do, and he sees what the Father does while he's sleeping in his spirit world, and therefore this is why Jesus sleeps a lot. It's a very weird mathematical equation to get there, but that's what he's saying.
I don't know if somebody can hear me. Are you sure you can hear me? Genesis chapter 2. Go to verse number... Uh, Genesis chapter 2 and go to verse, verse 21. Genesis chapter 2 verse 21. Genesis. He is the first human being having a vision. Genesis 2 and 21. Remember, this is the first... Now he's connecting visions and sleep slash dreams. Now again, as I said before, if you were to actually read people uh, or, or even just study it yourself, but I mean, you could read commentaries and whatnot of people that have looked into these things. You are going to see that visions and dreams, depending on how the word is used, where it's used, are different, but whatever. So Gen Gen uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, he said, go there. That's where we're going there. Human being you're seeing have a vision, but he's having what we call the vision of the night. Hear this. Genesis 2, 21. Mm -hmm. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, mm -hmm. and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Mm -hmm. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman mm -hmm. and brought her unto the man. Mm -hmm. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. Wait, notice Adam is not awake. <laughs> oh, my God. He didn't say Adam. He just blew that man's mind. Oh my goodness. Adam was still asleep when he met Eve. What? Why does he think that? Well, because it says in verse 21. <laughs> there's, so here's the thing to look for. Whenever we're, we're listening to sermons or teachings, this is really more of a teaching, that we're making, we've made throughout this entire thing, large assumptions based on statements, right? So, Jesus goes to sleep a lot, and therefore, if Jesus goes to sleep a lot, that therefore means that he dreams a lot, that therefore means that Jesus' spirit is in the spirit realm, watching God do things, and that's why Jesus knows what to do. That was a huge jump, but whatever, that, that's the thing. Um, we, we've had others, uh, well, we've had other statements made by him at the beginning that about dreams being, dreams are revelations from the spirit world. Uh, the other thing that he's made an assumption of, that if you sleep, God has spoken to you. Why? Because, well, in the Old Testament, Saul tried to reach out to God via dreams and he couldn't dream. But then that contradicts the statement he said before, that if you don't remember your dreams, you're too fleshly. Was, so, was Saul try, being too fleshly? And that's why he couldn't dream? Like, there's all of these random, incoherent, contradictory statements being made. And so he reads, or he has this gentleman read Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And because it says that the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and while he was asleep, he took a rib and closed it up in his flesh, he then assumes that in verse 22, we are then, Adam is still asleep. Why? Well, because it didn't say he woke up. But it, it never says he wakes up. It never says the statement, Adam woke up. So, I mean, if we're going to be making large jumps of assumption here, as far as I'm concerned, we're still in Adam's dream. We are a figment of Adam's imagination. We're in a simulation, guys. It's, I mean, why not? Why not just make that, that assumption? It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's just crazy. That because Genesis doesn't say, and Adam woke up, then Adam's still asleep. And he's seeing Eve in the in the vision of the night. Woke up. Wow. Uh, I'm talking to the wrong people. You people missed it. Wow. When you watch in movies, you see Adam waking up. Uh, and then he sees Eve. Say, wow. 
Read it one more time. From 21. Uh-huh. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, mm -hmm. and he slept, and took one of his ribs, mm -hmm. and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Mm -hmm. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, mm -hmm. and brought her unto the man. Mm -hmm. And Adam said, This is now bone of my Notice, bones. Notice, he brought her. Where was she? God opened his side, took out something, made a woman, and then brought her. I thought you were doing it where he is. Okay, you see, okay, I'm doing too much. Let me. Do you get what I'm So here's the thing. Do you, this is what I, one of the things I think is really important to pull out of this when we're listening to any pastor. Are the things that they're saying actually within the scripture or within the genre of scripture, right? Genesis is trying to communicate a very specific story of God creating. Right. In both Genesis one and two, we have God creating. And so the details of and he woke up and he walked Eve over from over here to over here after he created like those details are not the details that apparently God wanted us to have. The details he did want us to have is that he created man and out of man, he created woman. And that right there is all apparently we need to know about the situation. We do need to know that, I mean, if you, here's a really interesting fact. If you read through the creation narrative, Eve is the only one that is created uh, out of, out of uh, someone else, right? The animals, the birds, Adam, everything else is created uh, by God speaking it into existence or coming from like Adam from the dirt, right? Eve is not created in the same way that Adam is, not from the dirt. She's taken from him. And that's important. We could do a whole sermon just on that. But this idea that Adam is asleep and therefore sleep equals visions or, and dreams and spiritual things. Uh, and then so that Eve is now in this spiritual realm introduced to Adam. Like this is all, at best, this is just conjecture. At worst, it's a, a, a reading into the text something that isn't there to therefore make a wider point, right? And now, whenever he says, maybe I'm doing too much, he's already has the people listening to him so convinced that he knows what he's talking about, that at the very idea that he's going to take it away from them or not give them more revelation about what, you know, the text actually says, they are now on the hook, just like being reeled in because now they want it. They really want it. They think he's the only one that can give it. And see, this is the crazy thing about, and this is why... I, I'm always, I always caution people to say, okay, well, compare what is being said with the actual scripture, right? What does the scripture give us? What do we know from the scripture, right? Now, commentaries are really helpful and really important. And sometimes they're very helpful in sort of discerning through, you know, contextual and uh, cultural aspects of what's going on. And those are helpful. He's not given us any of that though. He's giving us his idea of what dreams are based on one or two verses from other places, then read into the creation account. And then it just, but these people are, they're all in, they're all in. You're never going to be able to tell that dude that was like, Oh my goodness, his brain exploded. You're never going to tell him that, um, you're never going to convince him at least that um, Eve isn't in some sort of vision that Adam is having where God introduces. You're not going to be able to convince him otherwise. He's convinced of it. Why? Because Dr. Prophet uh, Loviella said it. So can't be wrong.
trying to say, prophet. He put the man to sleep, opened his side, took the rib, made a woman, and then brought her to him. Is he asleep or not asleep? And where was she for God to bring? I thought God was doing it there. <laughs> Spiritual things are a mystery. And if you know anything about sleeping, you start to dream when you go into rapid eye movement. They call it deep sleep. This is why also learning how to go to sleep determines if you're going to see dreams or if you're going to miss dreams when they're sent to you. So what is it? Is it if you don't remember dreams, you're too fleshly or is it because you don't know how to dream? Because now we're, we're contradicting the thing we said at the beginning. Which is it? Now watch this. Watch this. Adam sees her and Adam says, this is the flesh of my flesh, the bone of my bone. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. My guy, how did you know you were asleep? You are more awake when you are asleep than when you are awake. Because everything that is happening in the background is in the forefront now. Hopefully at this point you see the assumptions being made. Right? So his point here is, how does Adam know that she's flesh of his flown, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone? How does she, how does he know she came from him? Right? just because it doesn't say in the text explicitly, God was like, all right, Adam, sit down. This is going to be a lot. So I put you to sleep when you were asleep. I like, I did some surgery. I, I know it wasn't like you didn't sign off on it, but I did it. And then I took out a rib. All right. Now with this rib, let me explain how I took from this rib and made her. This is going to be super complicated. I know you're not going to get it, but let me explain it to you. And then after trying to do that and explaining it to Adam, even though Adam's not going to understand it, God goes, all right, so there, check that, all right? So now, and then Adam goes, oh, I get it. So you're, look at this, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, da, da, da. Like, you're, you are misunderstanding the point of Genesis and then reading in a number of things into Genesis in order to make your point about dreams actually work and to make your point that you, when you are asleep, you are more awake than you are when you are awake. At this point, he's using scripture and twisting it in such a way in order to convince you of his point about dreams so that when he later interprets them, why should you question his interpretation of the dream? Because dreams are clearly a thing that happens that God communicates through because God gives them, then he's the only one that can give interpretation. And we know this and you really need to practice to be able to enter dreams and how to interpret them. And you need to know how to do it because it's like a careful thing. You can't just, just you just can't be willy nilly about the thing, but don't worry, Dr. Prophet, Dr. Prophet's got it. He, he has practiced, he knows how to sleep, he knows how to interpret, so his interpretation is going to be it because he's, he's done that, like he, under, he understands this better than you do, right? Because none of you knew that Adam was still asleep when he was introduced to Eve, but prophet doctor did, and therefore listened to prophet. Like it's just, you understand, this is why one of the good things that came from the Protestant Reformation was this, hey, here's the Bible. Read it for yourself. Have the word of God in front of you. Check what is being said from the bishop or from the elder or from the pastor against what the word says, right? Not in a way that says, you know, like, we're going to revolt and throw off all, like, 
There are also bad things that came from the Reformation. But check it, check what is being said against the Word of God. And if it doesn't line up, then again, from the Word of God, you have direction on how to handle that. Crazy, right? Crazy. You are more awake when you are sleeping than when you are asleep. You know, there are times when I'm in prayer and the Lord wants to come and speak to me. I'm going to fall into a vision. I'll be praying and all of a sudden I'll get tired. It is like, it, it, I can't, it's like uh, I've been drugged. When I feel that, I know God is going to talk to me. And I will lay down on the floor. And when I lay down, I will enter into visions and then I come back. I got the revelation of what God wanted me to get. Amen. And there are times I will just pray and God will open my eyes and I will see. But there are times he will put me into sleep. He will put me to sleep. But when my body is laying down, I'm not actually asleep. Because you see, this world is in time. That world is on a different time zone. It operates differently from this time. And when you're on that side, you have more insight. And I'm just going to let him talk for a while and just listen. And like, I, I don't even feel like a lot of this I need to interrupt on because what he's saying is he's just going to, it's going to bring my point. Foresight than those who are in this time. Yes. So being in, in the dream visions of God, visions of the night, it is more profound than being awake. Because anyone who can dream can be in the future. Anyone who is awake will wait for the future. Uh, this is why we ask children, what do you dream of becoming? Why don't we say, who do you want to be? Why do we say dream? Because it is only in the dream that there are possibilities that a rib can be taken out of you and make a whole human being. Wow. It is only in the dream that you can call those things that are not as if they were. Yes. There's a lot of things people used to imagine that now we have it physically. Yes. But the revelation of those things have been there since, but the, techno the, the science knowledge that we have could not materialize what we had already seen that existed. Oh human beings are using FaceTime now. Witches have been using <laughs> for generations. <laughs> Bamba, you know what I'm saying now. They will open a calabash. They will look. Oh, is this the person? <laughs> In water, they will look. <laughs> and those, those who are born of the Spirit of God, wherever they will be, they will see what is happening on the other side. FaceTime is not a new thing. People are waiting for teleportation technology. Ah, Philip was already disappearing and appearing on another side. Elijah was being taken from one side of town to the other. It is not anything new. But logical people cannot understand this. This is why God gives you dreams, so to remind you that you are spirit. Okay, so this is another, in my opinion, way to insulate yourself against criticism. Because all you have to say is, I mean, you've already said that if you don't like what I'm saying, you probably have a demon. So that pretty much cuts off any criticism. But you also now have this whole, this, what he just said, which is like logical people can understand this. The reason you have dreams is to remind you are, you are a spiritual being. So basically saying that if you're trying to use logic to deduce this whole thing, of course you're not going to get it because you're not thinking in the spiritual, right? Um, to that point, I, I think... There is a just a itty bitty splinter of truth there that sometimes 
we are because of, again, because of um, the, sort of the Greek influence on Christianity uh, within the second, third century, right? There is a piece here in which sometimes we try to reason things in or out of existence. Like we believe them if we can reason them or not. And then forget that like, like we as Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's not a logical thing that occurs, right? That's not, you, that, that is a miracle. That is, it is God's gift of grace and mercy to us. It's not something that you can logically deduce. So there is a splinter of truth in what he says here. There is a lot of of reality within Christendom that doesn't line up logically, but we 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 know happens, right? Um, Jesus raising from the dead being the primary example of that. However, I also feel like there is outside of that splinter of truth this enormous problematic statement of saying that if you know you can't reason through this logically, you have to look at it spiritually, and if you don't, then you're gonna you're gonna think this is all bunk because you're looking at it too logically. It's as if you're saying, like, don't try to think through this, because if you think through this, you're going to have a problem with it. So, again, another red flag, in my humble opinion. Uh, I wish more people would hit the thumbs up. We are almost 7,000 people. Let's hit the, the like button. We are only at 4,000, and we're about to be 7,000 people. Let's hit more of the like button before we go into interpretation. I hope you're learning something. Yes. If you're learning something, type number one, and let's get those like buttons up. Let, let's get the like buttons up. Let's get the like buttons up. Let's get the, hit the like button. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. Hit that like button. Before we continue, hit the like button. Before we continue, hit the like button. We need to get those uh, thumbs up as many as possible. They cannot be at 4,000 when we are at 7,000 people watching now. We need more of that. Everyone has to like what I'm saying, or I'm not going to go on. I mean, just awkward silence. We're not doing anything. Once we get to 5,000, then I'll continue. Let's See, get the thumbs up to 5,000, then I'll continue. I'm going to hold you hostage. Don't Let's worry, guys. It. We'll come to the dream interpretation. Let me teach you first so that now when we... Hit 5,000, or I'm not going to give you anything If else. I can teach you, then it's easy for me now when we, because you see, dream interpretation. Guys, we're not going to do any more sermon reviews unless this video gets like 100,000 likes. It's just, I'm just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to give you all of my wisdom and knowledge unless this video gets 100,000 likes. Just no more sermon reviews, I guess. Nope, nope, we're just going to sit here. Nope. Just going to sit here until you do it. I'm not seeing any likes, guys. I, I do remember, um, I think the Apostle, I think it was Apostle Paul, that was like, hey, Corinthians, I'd like to write you another letter, but until you agree with everything I say and hit that like button, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Mm -mm. Nope. No more teaching about Jesus until you hit the like button. Interpretation is like, is like prophesying. Yeah. So when now we get into the interpretations of dreams, it is easier. Amen. 200 more. Let's go. We are over 7,100 uh, um, and something. More thumbs up. The, more, the moment we get to 5,000, then I continue. 200 people are holding us back from visions Hallelujah. and dreams interpretation, guys. Come on. Get with the program. Not yet. One, 100. So close, guys. Come on. I need my likes now. Okay, there we go. Love me. <laughs> now hear this. It is paramount, it is expedient, and it is extremely important. It is paramount, it is expedient, 
it is very important. If I could throw another big word in there, I would. For you to dream. <laughs> uh, X, X word? Thank you. <laughs> if you don't dream, you miss God because 90% of the times God is going to talk to you will be in dreams. I thought that he always talked through dreams. I thought that if I didn't remember my dreams, it's because I was too fleshly. Or maybe I didn't know how to dream. Or like, I'm just so confused about what this means. Like, I heard that in Ecclesiastics, I was supposed to dream and not talk a lot. That's, yeah, because if I talk a lot, then I clearly am a fool and I need to talk less because God is obligated to give me dreams if I'm passionate about his program. So I must, I must be too fleshly, which is why I don't remember the dreams. And I must be not about his mission because he's obligated to give me dreams if I'm about his mission. So I'm, I'm too fleshly and not about his mission because if I was not fleshly and about his mission, he'd be obligated to give me dreams and be having dreams all the time that I remembered. It just seems like this would make you skittish. Just a little. A little stressed out. A little anxious. Majority of your life, the easiest way God to speak to you will be in dreams. Jacob had the most important encounter with God in a dream. We're not talking about reading the Bible. I mean, you have the Bible. The Bible's right there. It's God's word to you. But don't worry. The most, the most important way that God's going to speak to you is through dreams. So you got to have dreams. I don't know how to drink. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to let him talk, guys. I am. It's just like, come on, bro. Solomon was given wisdom in a dream. He didn't have an open vision. He had a vision of the night where God told him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, I want this and this. And God gave him wisdom. So 90% of the time, the Lord will speak to you. Oh, he will. He sure will, in dreams. And the moment you stop dreaming is because God also has been talking to you and you're not listening. God speaks once, yet twice, but man perceiveth it not. God starts keeping those dreams in your subconscious. He opens up the ear of man and keeps those dreams and seals it to keep man from his way and to keep man from pride. When you don't dream, it's pride to God because you're not listening. Can you go to Job? Find it for me. Job 33. Can you find that young lady? 13. Job 33, 13. Mm -hmm. Find it for me. Uh -huh. Job 33, 13. Mm -hmm. Why does thou strive against me, uh -huh. against him? Uh -huh. For he giveth not account of any of his matters. Uh -huh. For God spaketh once. Notice, God is saying you're striving with me. You're not giving any account of the matters. Remember, business. Where there is an occupation, God is obligated to give you an instruction. This is why when a man of God tries to grow their ministry or to grow their things, you know they never heard from God because you don't try to grow anything. You do what he tells you and he brings people to you. Increase comes from God, not from us. Okay, also, again, I, I'm just pulling this up now. But Job 33, verse 13. Uh, before we get to 13, I don't know if you guys know, there's actually verses 1 through 12. I know, it's mind-blowing. I hope that, I mean, what? There's more than just 13. All right, so Job uh, chapter 33, verse 1 through, let's read all the way through thir to 13. Um it's uh, the rebuke. It's one of Job's friend rebuking him. But now I hear my speech, O Job, and listen to all my words. Behold, I open my mouth. The tongue of my mouth speaks. My words declare the uprightness of my heart, and what my lips know, they speak sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. Answer me if you can. Set your words in uh, order before me. Take your stand. Behold, 
I am toward God as you are. I too was pinched off from a piece of clay. Behold, no fear of me need terrify you. My pleasure will not be heavy upon you. Surely you have spoken in my ears and I have heard the sound of your words. You say to me, I am pure without transgression. I am clean and there is no iniquity in me. This is what Job is telling his friend. Behold, he finds occasion against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and watches all my paths. Behold, this is verse 12. Behold, in this you are not right. I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend against him? Says he. Uh, um, sorry, verse 13. This is where we got to verse 13. Why do you contend against why do you contend against him? Now, this is Job's friend's assumption of what or or view of what Job is doing toward God, right? This is not God talking. This is Job's friend taking an account of what he thinks Job is doing. Verse 13, why do you contend against him saying, and this is what he says Job is saying, he will not answer none of man's words for God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it, right? And this is verse 15, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds, then he opens their ears of men and terrifies them with warnings that he may turn man aside from his deeds and conceal his pride from man. You know, he keeps going. I'm not sure how far he's going to have her read, but that's the context. Job's friend is talking to him saying, why do you contend against God? Um, and then he does go into verse 14. We'll see how far he gets here for God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. And then we do talk about dreams in verse 15 in a dream, in a vision of the night when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds. And then God, you know, using dreams to talk to them, but this is not Job contending against God. This is Job's friend saying, Hey, why do you do that? If you're looking for a skill to grow your ministry, you are doing it for you. You're not doing it for him. Because a man and a woman of God is consumed by what God wants. So they are not worried about how many souls will come. They are worried about drawing or throwing their, their, their net deeper. So that he can send the fish to come on. That is the style of fishing that God has ordained for the fisher of men that he has called. When Peter was told to go and fish, there was no fish. And Jesus told him, I will make you fisher of men. How did he tell him, I will make you fisher of men? His analogy is, I will talk to the fish. And the fish will jump into your net and you will put them on your boat. Not I will make you a skilled fisherman because Jesus was not a fisherman. But he was the creator of the fish. So he could speak to the fish which represents men. So you don't need to grow anything man of God. You don't need to grow anything woman of God. Just serve God. With what he tells you to do, if you do it, it grows. Anyone who knows me personally, they know I am. Or you can hold them hostage for likes and that will also help it grow. So, you know, whatever, whatever, choose, choose both or either, right? It's up to you. The most organized and organized, but organized person. Plotting without plotting, but it's a plot, but it's not a plot. I remember, I always use uh, Esther Rose as an example. And Eileen used to laugh at her all the time because Esther would get so frustrated. Papa, what's the plan? What's the schedule? I'm like, don't worry. Eileen would just look at her and say, Esther, relax. You'll get it. You'll understand him. Not yet, but you get it. But guess what? Nothing I do fails. Never fails. It doesn't fail. Because if he tells you to do something, it works. It works. 
when we have filled up arenas and we filled that, not because anyone told me, it wasn't even because there was a survey, oh, you have a lot of people in that city, you have a, it's never that, I've never looked at anything like that. God just said, let's go to this city, guys, let's plan for that city. We go and look at it, scout, we get everything together, we put it up. There are no billboards, there are no radio commercials, there's no ads on TV, nothing, or on the internet, nothing. Hey guys, I'm coming to this city and that's it. Why? Because if he says it, he's telling me to go and throw my net deep. It will catch the fish that he has sent. That is how God works. You don't need to formulate anything. So where matters of God matter, you just have to prepare yourself because when he sends you, then the grace is also available for people to come. Because sometimes, you know, I, and I, I know I'm going on, maybe on a tangent here a little bit or I'm rambling, but, but hear me, and this is going to help a pastor somewhere listening to me or a prophet someone li somewhere listening to me. When God has called you, his vision is what you must be driven by, not your vision. The church has become a place where you find old bones and dinosaurs. It ought never to be like that. The church should not be a graveyard. People should come to church. After one or two years, they either are serving in the house or they are going out to bring people in the house. If the same people are still sitting on the chair, there is a problem. It means they are not being equipped. It has become a graveyard. So the concept of having a big church is actually a demonic concept. Unless the turnover is also big. If there is a big church, it means there's a great crowd that has gone out. But if all the people that have been there since 1955, 2023, they're still sitting there in the chair saying, Amen, there is a problem. Again, it's just contradictory. Like, uh, big churches are demonic unless there's a lot of people there because other people have gone out. But if the same people have been there for a long time, you know, building up a generational, multi-generational church in which uh, families worship with, you know, kids worship with their grandparents, like that, that's not great because you've been sitting there forever, guys. And you probably need to go out and invite more people in. Um, and so it's... I don't want to say something that he's not saying, but he's not saying anything. Big churches are bad unless they're good in this way. <laughs> it's just, yes, people should be going and evangelizing a hundred percent. You should actually be evangelizing and serving. That's not either serve or evangelize. It's evangelize and serve. It is both. It is, it is a sanctification in the life of a believer to be serving in their local church and evangelizing in their workplace and um, telling people of the kingdom so the kingdom can grow. And maybe those people get plugged into your local church. Maybe they get plugged in somewhere else. But ideally, you've been at a church for decades and you've seen people come and go. Maybe they've moved. Maybe they've went off and planted churches like there's a healthy church model in which you can be there for 50 years. Maybe some of you didn't hear what I said. There's a huge problem. So stop trying to grow a church. Be concerned about saving people from hell. When you do what... So here's another thing that's very interesting. I just want to say this, and we're not going to... I th We're about... We're going to have to quit here because we're about to an hour and a half and I, I'm not going to keep you guys here long. If you want to watch the whole thing, you can. I try to usually do all of these, but this is a very long one and we've had to stop a lot. Um, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but before we do, right, there's there's things here that he said. He said Jesus is Lord a couple times. Uh, he talks about, you know, making sure you're, you're evangelizing so people don't go to hell. Good. Like there's been little things in here. Like, uh, don't talk a lot, he said, but uh, pursue the things of God. Like, that's a good thing he said, too. 
There's a lot of things he said that are good here in which you're like, man, that sounded good. But then there's all this other stuff that's like really kind of off the wall that has no backing that he's reading into. So let's go to the main screen again, guys. If you want to watch the whole thing, you can. We've stopped at 40 minutes in. The entire video is an hour and seven, 17 minutes. Uh, about after the 50, 55 minute mark, he starts taking calls. I did not listen to those. Up until he starts taking calls, to be clear, because we're going to go over this list here in a minute, I never heard the gospel preached. Maybe when he interprets dreams, he presents the gospel. I don't know. In the time that I heard, I just want to be really clear about that. Up until the point that I stopped listening at about the 55 minute mark, he had not yet talked about the gospel. So let's go over this really quick. Let's go to the review screen or not the review screen, the, the uh, screen here where I took some notes. So this is Revelation Church. It's Dr. Lavi, or Lavi, I don't know how you say his name, Ellis. He does talk about Saul, Joseph, Daniel, all talking about dreams. But I think it comes back to this idea, Old Testament versus New Testament dreams, how they work. He did go over some scripture, Ecclesiastes, we work through that. Genesis, we work through that. Job, we work through that. All of those were either out of context or things were read into them. So this idea of did he read the text? He did read parts of it. Does he ever expound on them? Never. Not. In fact, he reads more into them than he reads out of them. Does he give application? Well, he does, but it's always selective application based on the parts that he read where the word was mentioned. Again, I talked about was the gospel preached? Never. I can't even give you an adequate, did he reprove, rebuke, exhort? I, I, can't, I can't give you an adequate look at that because he doesn't actually do that in any point because we're not actually digging into the scripture. So it's hard to say if he did. Here's a few things that he said that I think are, are interesting. If you have slept, God has spoken to you. It's a message from God. But yet, if you don't remember those, if you have an inability to remember them, you're too fleshly, even though he says other things later that contradict that. Dreams are revelation uh, from the spirit world. So there's a little bit of like Gnostic-esque talking here about the division of the body and the soul. And sleep is an opportunity for the, uh, for the spirit, your spirit to see. Uh, also, he's all about the sharing and liking, all, all about that. So obviously we can't go through the three basic things that we always look for because at best this was a topical sermon on dreams and how you can interpret what God is speaking to you through dreams. We're never encouraged to read scripture to, to, to discern God's will ever. Um, we are inadvertently told that you can read some things into scripture, but it's not even encouraged. See, there's some pastors that they would encourage, like the way they teach through scripture kind of gives you the permission to read things into scripture. Like some pastors do that. That's not the sense I get here, though. The sense I get is that I'm not probably going to understand Scripture. The doctor prophet is going to have to tell me to interpret this because no way ever am I going to get some of the things that he gets out of the Scripture. So he's sort of my go-to guy. Like I, I can read it, and I probably like he would probably encourage you to do that. But how are you supposed to interpret what it says without the prophet? It's, it's it would be near impossible, right? Because he's got the revelation. Um, so you can't even read, it's not even that he's teaching you to read scripture wrongly. It's basically, you have to come to him to have some sort of interpretation. I can see where people have an issue with him for sure. But according to him, that means I have a demon. 
<laughs> so it's just kind of like, I guess, I guess take that for what it is, right? It's just sort of this type of, and I'm not even talking specifically about this guy, though obviously he falls into this. This type of preaching is, is top tier problematic in the sense that there is so much read into the scripture that only he can interpret, that only he can teach, that if you're not responding, there's this real sense that you're not spiritual enough. There's so much burden added to the people's uh, sort of shoulders here because he says multiple times about like, if you're not dreaming, you're not hearing from God. If you're not dreaming, that is arrogance toward God. You're too fleshly if you don't remember your dreams. You don't know how to dream. And if you don't know how to dream, you can't hear from God. And if you can't hear from God, he's not obligated to give you any sort of instruction about your life, right? I mean, it's just, it's just there's, there's no gospel here. It's all on your shoulders. It's, it's all about, and who can, and, and here's, the, here's the most problematic part. Who can give me the answers to how to do any of this? Well, the prophet can. So now you have to. And at the very base level, the prophet's not going to tell me anything unless I like his videos, unless I share his videos. So it's this real weird system that's just so bad, so antithetical to what the gospel is and freedom found in Christ. And it, it's just, it's, it's terrible. So that's my take. <laughs> Again, if you want to, if you, if you think I'm taking something out of context or not being fair to him, the link for the full thing without my commentaries below, you can find a whole bunch of stuff on his channel of stuff just like this. I, I run from stuff like this. That's all I can say. Just run from stuff like this. So hopefully you found it helpful. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week.